Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Everybody ready to go? I was going to preach this yesterday. Instead, the Lord had me preach it tonight because they didn't want me to preach yesterday, I don't guess. The Lord just broke out and did an amazing, amazing work, and sometimes you just have to get out of the way. Um, but nonetheless, when I, when I was driving here, I guess it was two days ago, usually it takes me about 10 to 15 minutes to get here from where you all placed us in that cabin on the four lane going to, towards man. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes. Two days ago, however, was the worst day on the road of my entire life. And it took approximately one hour to get here from that cabin. Does any, is anybody feeling... I just brought tears to some of your eyes just remembering it. And with Caleb, it triggered a Vietnam flashback. And he just, I mean, he, he about lost his mind on the road. He had to turn his car off because it was overheating. We just sat there, and we sat there, and we sat there. And it was, it was perhaps the worst road work I've ever driven in. And I guess you guys are about to have every road in town paved at one time. Yes. Spoiled generation. <laughs> What I want to say to you is this, that sometimes the Lord uses things happening in the natural to give me a word that is taking place in the spirit. And when I came here yesterday and we started to pray, listen, two days ago in that road work, I was just not in the mood for it. I didn't want to hear anything spiritually about it. I just wanted to get to the church. And it took, honestly, when we got to the the tutors, it took us 20 minutes to get here from tutors. It was terrible. It wasn't from God, no anointing behind it. So... I'm, I am, I, I got to make you laugh before we really, really pound this word hard. So I'm in prayer yesterday on my face somewhere in this building. And we were all back here in the prayer room and we're asking the Lord, what do you want to do tonight? What is going to happen tonight? My mind kind of shifted more towards Lord. What are you doing in this season? Why are you bringing revival? You know, we are here in Logan tonight. We were in man last week. We're going to be in Gilbert on Sunday. The following Sunday, we're going to be in Del Barton. The following Sunday, we're going to be in Matewan. And the following Sunday, all of you and me and the rest of them will be at the Williamson Field House. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. But I love what the Lord's doing right now. But the Lord also has given me eyes to see ahead. What? Why are you doing this? Touch your neighbor and say, why? There's one reason and one reason alone. The Lord does these great mighty miracles. We had many people healed last night. Many people got in the tank and were baptized. Many people have been saved. And I just said, Lord, what are you setting us up for? And the Lord simply said this. I've got to get my people ready for the coming of the Lord. Come on. That's it. The reason he's doing all this is so that you will be ready when Jesus comes back. That's what I'm going to preach on tonight. I'm going to preach it probably all six places. And so if, if you come and I happen to preach it and you heard it, just get over it. Other people, other people have it. And they, and they need this. And the reason it's so needed is because it's so seldom taught. And pastors don't want to preach on the coming of the Lord because it scares people. And it, it, if, it, if you scare them too much, they won't come back. And if they don't come back, they don't put money in your box. Lucky for you, I don't care if you put money in my box. I just want to preach to you and tell you that Jesus is coming back. And many of you tonight are in grave danger of being left behind. And as we were driving on this road work, I just said, you know what? This has totally disrupted my plans. I wanted to be here at a certain time. Got here 45 minutes later than I wanted to be here, which is kind of okay. We get here, you know, at 3 for a 7 o'clock service. Didn't bother us too bad, but it kind of put a delay in my schedule. And how many of you know the scripture where John the Baptist says, clear the way for the coming of the Lord? Have you heard this? Clear the way, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He said, John the Baptist said, I'm the voice in the wilderness and I'm shouting, prepare a way for the coming of the Lord. He wasn't just saying something poetic. Back in that day, when a king was coming to your city, they had it set weeks and weeks ahead of time. It was almost like if the president is coming to a town, they, had, they know where the president's going two years from now. They've got a schedule all lined out. So weeks and weeks ahead of time, this actually happened in the physical, and it still happens today to some extent. Weeks and weeks ahead of time, the king would send servants to the, to the road that he would take to get to a town, and he would clear all the junk out of the way, and he would smooth out the road so that he could have a smooth, triumphal entry into whatever town he was going in. And so while I was 
sitting through this god-awful road work, I just began, the Lord began to download in my spirit that He is making, He is making smooth. Hmm, y'all aren't hearing me. Yeah, come on. Of all the weeks we could have come to Logan and preached a revival, it had to be this week while they're out doing that. <laughs> but what's the Lord saying? The Lord's saying He's preparing a way because the King has come to your city. The king has come to this region and he is, he is smoothing out the way for the coming of the Lord. I really thought they'd get a little bit happy about that. King Jesus is coming to your city and he's, he's come to seek and save that which is lost. He's coming to every hill and every holler. He's going under the bridges. He's saving the homeless. He's saving the addicted. He's saving, he's saving some lukewarm religious Pharisees. He's setting some churches on fire. And you know what? When, when the servants would go and prepare the road for the coming of the king in their city, sometimes it delayed their schedules a little bit, kind of set them back. And I, I want to, I wish to tell you by the spirit of the Lord, when he comes and brings revival, there are things going on in churches today, even in this one. And I have to, I just have to preach it that way. I'm sorry. I just have to do it. When the, when the Lord comes with revival, he begins to smooth out rough edges in the body of Christ. Revival is not what some of you might think it is where you crowd a building and then yell and shout and flop on the floor and speak in tongues for two hours. That's part of it. And that's great and that's wonderful. People get baptized and saved in revivals. It's great. People are healed in revivals. Wonderful. People rededicate. Splendous. It's great. You've never heard the word splendous. It's a team. It's, it's a word that we have. It's one of those inside things. It's a, it's, what, is it, what is it? A cross between tremendous and splendid. Yep, splendous. It's splendous. When the Lord comes, touch your neighbor and say, it's splendous. However, however, when the Lord comes, if it's real revival, the Lord confronts sin. If it's real revival, the Lord puts you on your face in repentance. If it's real revival, the Lord pulls you out of a comfort zone. If it's real revival, the Lord does mess with your schedule. So while he's smoothing out the roads outside, understand something. He's showing you something in the spirit that when he does something in the life of a person, it might delay where they're going. The Lord might put a road. Oh, God, this is hot off the press. The Lord might, when road work is happening in your life, put a roadblock called a detour. And the Lord might come with revival and say, you're going the wrong way. You need to go the other direction. And the Lord is coming tonight in this room to look at some of you and say, I know you call yourself a member of this church. I know you go here. I know you call this home. But in your personal life, some of you are going the wrong direction. Yeah. Come on. And if you continue on this wrong direction, you will miss me when I come. There are people all in, in the room tonight, all over this region, but in this room tonight, that if the Lord came back right now, you would miss it. You wouldn't even know he came back. Because the Bible says it happens in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible says it happens, that's quicker than a flash of light, and the Greek word is a nanosecond. It happens right then. Many of you who have said in your heart, I'll just repent when he comes back. You won't have time, honey. It's going to be too late. Boom. Yeah. Done. Over. I'm just laying the groundworks because some of you think you're okay and you're not. The greatest danger in church right now is there's, there's too many church members that think they're saved because their name is in the membership book, but your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on. And you can have your name in the membership book, and there's plenty of you that have your name in the membership book. And you can tithe, but you can't buy your way into heaven. Amen. Tithing is good and biblical. But you cannot buy your way into heaven. You cannot earn your way into heaven by serving in a position in this building. The Lord's not saving you for your hat. He's saving you for your heart. And when he comes back, he will not look at you and say, oh, you were an usher. Well done. He won't say that. He won't say, you ran the camera tonight. Well done. You helped in the children's ministry. Well done. No, he won't say that, friends. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in these little things. Little things meaning your personal life. What good does it do you to run the camera and then go live like hell Monday through Saturday? It's awful quiet in the room. 
So when the Lord, when the Lord showed me, or when, well, when my eyes saw that terrible road work, the Lord began to give me spiritual eyes about it, and the Lord began to show me that He's coming back soon, and He's trying to smooth out, He's trying to smooth out some paths in your life so that the King of Kings can have a smooth ride into your heart. That's that is why this revival is taking place to get people ready for the coming of the Lord. When I went out circuit riding last year, we went to uh, a city each night. It's not, it, was, it was much more exhausting than what we're doing right now because literally, this is what, this is what would happen. My, uh, my mentor and pastor, Jay Morgan, would, would call me and he would say, hey man, and I'd say, hey brother, and he'd say, I need you in Moorfield tomorrow. Any of y'all know where Moorfield is? Way up there in the eastern panhandle almost. Like past, like two hours past Buckhannon, West Virginia. So I go to Moorfield, we preach. He called me in, in Moorfield. Hey, man. I'd say, hey, brother. Need you in Wheeling tomorrow. That's the other panhandle, by the way. I get in Wheeling, I preach. He called, hey, brother. Need you in Buckhannon tomorrow. I mean, this went on for six weeks. Like five nights a week for six weeks. I, I would come home long enough to wash my clothes, and it was a different city every single night. That's when we saw... 500 people baptized in six weeks, okay? And Jay looked at me when he commissioned us into this, and several of some of our team members went with us during that time. And Jay, when he commissioned us that, that uh, Saturday morning in his revival summit, he said, Nick, you got to preach a simple message. Hell's hot, heaven's sweet, and Jesus is coming back. That's it. That's it. And the miracles and all the other stuff will follow, but right now it's more important to get people ready for the coming of the Lord. That is, that is, that's the, that's the only reason I'm doing this. The miracles are great, but you're still going to die. Amen. Oh, that really hurts some feelings. Yeah, right. I mean, you can, you can get healed of a physical thing on earth. The only reason the Lord heals is to prove that he's God. Yeah. The only reason he heals is to prove he's God and to show you that he loves you. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to live forever. You're still going to die. Like, a, you know, Paul said it's appointed unto man wants to die and then comes the judgment. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 24, the disciples began to ask him, what is it going to look like before you come? So I want to give you some practical signs that Jesus gave. Can we do that? Yes. Matthew 24. And listen, this is, not, this is seldom taught. It's not often taught because it brings great fear into the people. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that if you are blood-bought, spirit-filled, and know where you're going, it's not so much of a scary thing. Oh, it's so quiet in the room right now. Does anybody have joy that they're going to go be with the Lord? Yeah. Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. You will hear of wars, or he said, you will be hearing, future tense, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all those things are merely the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. The beginning of birth pains. They will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you. You'll be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another. Some script, the King James says, many will become offended. Well, we're in the end times. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness, watch this. If you, if you don't watch the news, all you have to just turn on for five seconds and look at what's going on in your cities right now, dating back to 2015 and 16 when all these riots were breaking out all over America. Because lawlessness has increased, the love of many will grow cold. Amen. Now, Jesus said these are all the things that you'll see. You'll see wars and rumors of wars. You'll see pestilences. You'll see sickness. Sicknesses. And I see several masks in the room Sickness has swept the land. Yeah. It's just true. But if you think this is the last time you're going to see something like this, Jesus said, plural, sicknesses, pestilences, more things are coming than this. People that could not endure something like this. And listen, this, what you just saw in the last year and a half, honestly, biblically, is small compared to what's coming. Yeah, true. It's little. And if you can't endure for these little things, I don't, I don't know what to tell you for what's coming. Because more, more than this is coming. And so Jesus just kind of lays this out. He says, you'll see wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilences, sickness, strange weather patterns, like hurricanes. 
I want to show you something that's very interesting. All of these things I'm going to show you date back to last year, but they all happened within a few months of each other. You had several earthquakes in the United States. Listen at this. In California, over a period of 72 hours, there were 11,000 lightning strikes. Over a period of three days. 11,000 lightning strikes that touched the ground that sparked 367 wildfires. Did you see the report of the locusts in Africa? They were swarming entire wheat fields and, and, and farms and just obliterating everything they saw. And it brought great famine to that area and to other parts of the world where that grain was delivered. And then, of course, you had COVID. You had things like Hurricane Laura. Am I preaching to anybody right now? Now, Jesus said this. When you see all of these things, everybody say all of these things. Then you'll know the end is near. Now, you might be looking at me right now saying, Nick, we've heard of wars all of our life. There's been sickness all of our life, pestilences. All this stuff has happened all of our life. But I would suggest to you, you have never seen it all happen at the same time. And right now, you are seeing all of this happen at the same time. And Jesus said in this chapter, Matthew 24, when you see all of this coming, know that I am knocking at the door. Jesus is coming back. I would take you back to the book of John in the 20th chapter. When the, two, when the Peter and John ran to the tomb, it was empty, by the way. I went to Israel. I looked. I checked. It's still empty. There's nobody in it. And when the disciples went, these two men, when they went to the tomb and they looked, they saw a napkin, brother, and the napkin was folded a certain way. If you folded it a certain way in the Jewish culture, that meant if you fold your napkin a certain way at the table, that means I'm com- I want more. That means I want something more. I'm coming back for more, he was saying. He folded that napkin to say, I didn't just come one time. I'm coming back another time. I'm going to rapture my bride. I'm going to take a beautiful church. And I'm here to tell you tonight, he's looking for a beautiful church and a glorious church and a radiant church. And while you're sitting here waiting on God to come down, God's waiting on some of you to get up because he knows something. If you came back right now, you wouldn't be a part of it. But God is patient and long-suffering. And he's waiting on some of you to repent, fall on your face, and be a part of this bride. Just because you're a member of a church doesn't mean you're a member of the kingdom. Now, there are three schools of thought on this word rapture. Everybody say rapture. There's three schools of thought. One thought is pre-trib. Everybody say pre-trib. Of course, you have heard of the tribulation that will last for seven years. It will literally be hell on earth. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, in this chapter, I believe, you've never seen another time like this. The earth has never seen something like this before. It'll never see something like it again. Seven years of tribulation. Now, some people say that Jesus is going to rapture the church before the tribulation begins. That's a pre-trib person. I lean that way based on a lot of study and Greek Hebrew word studies and prophetic things in the Old Testament. Hours of study and research. I believe pre-trib. That's just... That's just where I land. Now, some people have her land mid-trib, which is at the three-and-a-half-year mark that the Lord is going to come back, so we will have to endure half of the tribulation. I know a lot of, I have very close friends that are like that. Then still you have some people that are post-trib. That means that they believe that the Lord is going to come back after the seven-year tribulation. And if you, if you believe that way, you're strange. I'm just kidding. There's many schools of, I'm just kidding. There's many schools of thought on this tribulation. But I'm here to tell you tonight, none of those schools of thought are important. I'm not here to debate with you on when he's coming. I'm not even here to debate with you on if he's coming. I'm here to tell you factually, biblically, he is coming. And so it's not important. Yeah, it's not important to debate when he's coming. It's important that you're ready when he comes. I'm preaching right now. Sometimes at my home, our team will come over and we'll have worship nights. I have, I have uh, two roommates right now. At the time we were doing all this, I had three roommates. Caleb was one of them, so y'all pray for me. Okay? So we had three roommates. So us three men, um, we had trouble cleaning our house, okay? Just, just, that's all I'm say about it. Sometimes it was, but most of the time it was not. And so... On the day of these, I would have to let them know about the prayer meeting well in advance so that I knew the house would be clean by the time the people got there. Now, 
my, my school of thought, and I'm going to really lay it on you right here. My school of thought is this. If you always keep your house clean, you won't have to worry about a surprise visit. Now, just keep your house clean all the time, and you won't have to worry about somebody knocking on your door by surprise. So why don't you just get right with God right now? Because I'm, I'm telling you something. You will not know the coming of the Lord weeks in advance because Scripture, what I'm about to read to you, says He comes at an hour that you do not expect. So if He comes at an hour you do not expect and your house is not clean, your spirit, your heart is not clean, you ain't going. I mean, that's just, that's just a biblical fact. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But if, if you're not ready at the time of His coming, you're not going. Is anybody hearing me right now? You have trouble following me over there? You're good. She's good. Now jump down to Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Jesus says some very interesting things here. Now, learn the parable of the fig tree when its branches have already become tender and puts forth fruit on its leaves. You know that summer is near. Everybody say near. Yeah. The, the fruit comes right before summer. So too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. But no, but, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Jesus doesn't even know when he's coming. And if you try to claim to know when he's coming, you're a false prophet. That's why he said many false prophets will arise. Right. Right. Maybe some of you are, are old enough to remember this. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to make you kind of tell you age here. How many of you remember the book 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 88? That was a, someone wrote that Jesus would come back in 1988. And that, you know, well, he's off by a little bit. Just a little bit. So if someone tries to predict when, listen, you won't know the day, you won't know the hour, but based on, this, based on this teaching, you will be able to know the season. Not summer, spring, winter, fall, but this, the prophetic season, what is happening in the world right now. These pastors that say, I really don't watch the news at all. I don't know how you can keep up with prophetic things because if you turn on the news, prophecy is fulfilled every day. If you turn on the news, there are things happening in our world every day that show you Jesus is about to come back. I really, truly don't believe there are any more prophecies left to be fulfilled before the coming of the Lord. I think it could come at any moment. The reason that churches do not have the fear of the Lord anymore is because there's no preaching about the coming of the Lord anymore. Every day I live, I live my life, and if I go to do something stupid, the thought comes to my mind, Pastor, Jesus could come in the middle of me doing this stupid thing. You know what that is? That's the fear of the Lord. Scripture says that's the beginning of wisdom. And the reason people have no fear of the Lord is because there's no teaching on the coming of the Lord. There's no teaching that he's going to come knock at your door one day. And, and if you're ready, if you're at the door ready to open it when he comes, you'll go. And if you're not ready, you'll be left. There's no teaching like that. But it's biblical stuff. This is in your Bible. I don't know what you're reading, but it's in this book. It's awful quiet in the room. It's just... Y'all still here? Yeah. Shout yes if you're listening. Yes. He said this, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like, everybody say just like, the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, and until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So the coming of the Son of Man will be. That's a very interesting verse. In Noah's day, right before the flood came. Now, understand something. As many scholars will agree on this. It, up until the flood, it had never rained before. So when Noah's going around preaching to these people saying, get ready, it's about to rain, the people are like, what? What's that? Seriously. He couldn't, he couldn't even describe what it looked like. And it's the same thing right now. There are preachers going around saying, get ready for the rapture, the coming of the Lord. Well, guess what? There's never been a rapture. So people are like, well, what's the rapture look like? I, I, I don't know. Like, I just know it's coming, but I really don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it's going to. All I know is it's going to happen so fast, you won't be able to prepare yourself when he comes. You need to prepare yourself before he comes. That's all I can say about it. That's all I can preach to you tonight is that you better be ready at the moment he's coming. Honest to God, I don't, you know, I'm not promised to finish this message before he comes. He could come in the middle of the service. 
He really truly could. He could come right now at this moment. He could come at this time next year or he could come in 50 years. Will you be ready at the time of his coming? Are you still here? Shout yes if you're listening right now because it is awful quiet. Can we take a praise break right now and just thank the Lord that he's coming? He's really coming. Now, I want to make a statement. I've been waiting to say this all night because, and I'm glad the lights are so bright, I won't be able to see many, many of your faces when I say this. But this is, I, I, I feel confident in saying this based on Scripture. And some people say it's controversial. I just say it's Bible. And I'm going to give you the verse in just a minute. And then I'm going to share a parable and close out. So are you all ready? Everybody say the word rapture. rapture. The rapture is not a blessing for salvation. The rapture is a reward for faithfulness. I'm going to say it again. The rapture is not a blessing for salvation. The rapture is a reward for faithfulness. Not everybody who claims Jesus as Lord is going in this rapture. I want to show you what I mean. And then you say, Nick, how can you say that? The parables of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 40, there will be two men in the field working. One will be taken and the other will be left. But they're both working. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. But they're both grinding at the mill. Therefore, be on the alert for you do not know the day which your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. I could say it this way to make it more applicable till today. There are a hundred people in the church house. Fifty will be taken, fifty will be left. Families will be split by this rapture. This is true. If you are unsaved, I would not fly with the Christian pilot because he's going up and you're going down. <laughs> this world is going to go absolutely ballistic nuts when this rapture takes place because they're going to try to find all the people that went missing and the phones are going to be ringing off the hook. But I say to you, AT&T's lines don't reach that far. Yeah. Now, I've been saying this all night, and I hope you've caught it. I'm going to give a parable to explain what I mean, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to respond, because you've got to respond to this word. It's so important. Are you still here? I've been saying this lightly all night, but I'm, just, I'm, going, to, I'm going to hit it hard now, because this rapture is not a blessing for people that are saved. It is a reward for people who have been faithful. The rapture is for overcomers. And if you don't believe it, look in the book of Revelation where Jesus said there will be some people that have to stay here to make their garments white. Now, I say this to you. If you have trouble serving the Lord right now in Logan, West Virginia, in the United States of America, and you're having trouble serving God right now, you do not have a chance after this rapture. You have no chance during the tribulation because right now, at this moment, you are surrounded by saints of God who can encourage and help you. You've got a pastor full of, and a church full of great workers here that know how to serve and disciple that can get you discipled and help you get free and stay free and grow in the Lord. If you have trouble serving the Lord right now, you don't have a chance during the tribulation because all the people who were serving the Lord that you could run to for help will be gone. If you have trouble serving the Lord right now while Bible reading is legal, if you have trouble serving the Lord in the United States of America, you would not last in a nation like China. In a nation of the Middle East where it's illegal and if you get caught serving the Lord, you get your head cut off. And some of you won't even come to church if the AC is not running. Come on. Come on. I saw a picture of a church in the Philippines. I'll never forget this. They were standing in worship. It was in the middle of the service. They were standing in worship. And I noticed, brother, that there was water, brown water, up to their knees. Yeah. It had flooded. And they walk to church, and they're in their Sunday morning service in the flood. And if the heat goes out, ah, it's too cold, I ain't coming. Come on. That's right. That's right. Pastor changed the service time. It's too early, I ain't coming. I'll catch it on Facebook in my pajamas. Come on. Oh. 
I got in trouble. I'm going to come back up here where it's safe. I got in trouble for saying that. Good preacher. And you pretend like you can get the same spirit of the Lord in your bedroom in your pajamas that you can get right here amongst, amongst friends. And I just, I just have to tell you that kind of laziness is not going in the rapture. It's just not. I mean, the, the Lord is looking. The Lord is looking for sellouts. The Lord is looking for people who are totally sold out to, to King Jesus. He's looking for sellouts. And he's looking for sellouts in a nation full of tapouts. He's looking for, uh, can I go a little longer, y'all okay? He's looking for sellouts in a nation, in a group, in a spoiled generation that taps out when the AC is not running, that taps out when the pastor does service too early, that taps out if the, if the church says, you, you know, you got to wear a mask to come to church. Well, I ain't coming if I'm going to put a mask on. Well, you know what? I preached in a mask for several weeks last year, and it didn't stop my praise. Are you still here? Not everybody that has a Bible verse in their bio on Twitter and Instagram will go in the rapture. Young people, listen to me. Jesus is not going to look at your Instagram and say, well done, I see that picture where your hands are raised enter into the kingdom. Your hands weren't even raised for me anyway. You were trying to get the attention of the other boy that goes to church. Jesus said this, to him, to them who are looking, will he appear a second time? Not looking at the backside of someone worshiping in front of you, but looking at him. Are y'all still here? I just have to, I just, I got to say stuff other preachers won't preach. Y'all okay? Now I want to go to this parable. This, this parable really opened, opened eyes for me. And I've heard this parable all my life, but I, I really came to life for me. Uh, two years ago when my sister got married. It's the parable of the bridesmaids and it's right after all this prophetic stuff. Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses. The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins. Some of your Bibles say virgins. Some of them will say bridesmaids. Could you put that on the screen? People really, I just really need, you really need to see this. And, they t and I'm preaching from the NASB if you have that up there. The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Listen to the story very, very carefully. There's some stuff in here that I've never heard preached, and the Lord downloaded it to me. And when I share it with people, it's like the story just becomes real, like eye-opening to people. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, everybody say delaying. Some of you have been in church for a long time. How many of you have, would have thought the Lord would have already come by now? Me. While the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. All ten of them got drowsy and began to sleep. Not just the foolish ones. All of them went to sleep. But at the midnight hour, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. That Greek word for me is only used three times in your Bible. It's used in Matthew chapter 8 when the people of the city met. They said they came out to meet Jesus and beg him to leave their city. Or it's, it's used in John 12, 13 when the people ran to meet Jesus and lay the palm leaves down while he was riding into the city. Both instances, the people were running to meet him. It's not like I introduce you to someone, hey, how are you? This Greek word meet literally means to run out and meet someone, to run out and greet someone, to run out and make someone feel welcome or to kick them out of town. You have a choice tonight based on those two words. The, the way it was used, it was only used two other times. You have a choice tonight. You're either going to beg Jesus to leave you alone or you're going to beg him to come in. And they all... They all came out to meet him. Now watch this. They all, verse 7, they all rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, no, there won't be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealer and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in. Those who were ready at the moment that he came went in with him. 
to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, and they said, Lord, Lord, open up the door for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then for you to not know the day or the hour. Understand just a couple points about this parable. He had five foolish, five wise. Five got into the feast, which is a, listen, how many of you ever heard of the marriage supper of the Lamb? After the Lord raptures us, there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what, he's, that's what he's alluding to. Are you still here? Yeah. So there's this feast. There's ten bridesmaids, five foolish, five wise. Only five got in, but all of them were bridesmaids. And you want to say every person that claims Jesus is going in the rapture. Every, every bridesmaid didn't even get into the wedding feast. Now, last year or two years ago, I had the honor of doing my sister's wedding. I performed her wedding. And she's a few years younger than me. And so we had this beautiful wedding. And I've heard this parable all my life. I've preached on this since I started my ministry when I was 17 years old. And I'd always heard it. You know, you got to be ready when the Lord comes. But it really came to life for me during my sister's wedding. If you have never been part of a wedding planning thing, don't. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, don't. Just don't do it. Okay, you men, when you when you get ready to get married, just let the wife make all, let your bride make all the plans, and you just come and participate. Amen. I, I did. I performed the wedding. Someone's clapping. I performed the wedding of one of my other friends, and I would go ask him questions, and he would look at me, honest to God, he'd go, "It's not my wedding." <laughs> and I said, "Yes, it is." He go, "No, it's hers. I'm just participating." So, at the at the time of this wedding, my my house. My, my mother and my father divorced, and it was only at this, at this point, it was me, my mom, and my sister living in that same house together. I was, we were students in college. And so when they started wedding planning, I went and stayed somewhere else. I'm not, y'all gave me anxiety. I don't have anxiety, but the enemy used to try to bring anxiety on my life. And I was, I'd separate myself. You know, touch not the unclean thing. Just separate from wedding planning. It's not clean. All right. Are you still here? I had to make somebody laugh because there's some great, there's conviction in the room. Now, the first thing my, y'all got to hear me. The first thing my sister did was she had to call her bridesmaids. If you want to be a part of a wedding, how many of you have ever been a bridesmaid for a wedding you did not get invited to? Probably none of you. That's weird. The first thing you have to have to be a part of a wedding is an invitation. Everybody say invitation. So the first thing that happens is you have to be invited. And I watched my sister call these people. And I'd known, I'd known these bridesmaids all of our lives. We all grew up together, you know. So she's calling. And that's the invitation. And I tell you tonight, the Lord has extended an invitation to you to be a part of this great wedding celebration, the marriage of Jesus and the church. Are you still here? And he's given all of you an invitation because the Lord, the word says it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay. So the invitation was given. And then my sister had to, she said, I, you, you, you can't leave me hanging. I've got to know if you're going to be a part of this or not. And if you're not going to be a part of it, I've got to move on to someone else. And many of you are saying, well, the Lord, the Lord will just wait on me all, all my life. No, he won't. Oh, God, that, that, I'm really messing with some of y'all's theology tonight. The Lord will just wait on me. No, he won't. He wouldn't even wait on a man to bury his dad. Okay, look at, go back and look in the Gospels. This man, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, come on right now. I'm leaving right now. And this man said, let me go bury my dad first. And he said, no, let the dead bury themselves. He's not going to wait on you all your life. You've got an opportunity, a moment. Paul, Paul said it like this. The time for salvation is now. Not later. Not tomorrow. Not next month. Now. Because you may not have tomorrow. And so my sister gives out this invitation. And she said, I've got to know by a certain time because if you will not be a part of it, I will move on to someone else to fill your spot. Well, the Lord won't fill my spot. Yes, he will. Don't get too arrogant. Yes, he will. Okay? Now, after, after they said yes, see, church people say yes, and they think that's it. They can just sit on their hiney and wait till the rapture. If you say yes to be a part of a wedding then you got to go participate in some things. you got to go buy the dress. you got to have on the right attire. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Now, 
before, before the Pharisees in the room get excited, I'm not saying that the girls have to wear dresses and the men have to wear certain clothing in church before you, before you Pharisees get pumped. I'm not talking about holiness dress. Holiness is a heart condition. Holiness is not how you dress. Holiness is what's in here. It's heart circumcision. Because some, there, there are some people that can put on their Sunday best, but their tongue is longer than my bus. They just want to talk about everybody. Holiness is a heart condition that's submitted to the Lord. Are you still here? And so they had to go buy the right dress. They had to buy the right attire. Then, oh, I'm, I'm really hurting feelings tonight. It's not me. It's the word. Don't shoot the messenger. Are you still here? After they bought the dress, they had to show up at a certain place at a certain time. How many of you understand that when you say yes to the Lord, listen, he's king and he's going to ask you to go places and do things. You got to be certain places at certain times. So they had to show up to this rehearsal, the, the rehearsal dinner, or the, the bridal party, all, all this stuff. You know, all the stuff that goes with wedding planning. They have to do it. And then they actually had to be a part of the celebration, which means they had to participate in the work of the wedding. It's a little more than getting saved, getting in the tank, getting baptized, and then putting on a shirt that says, I believe. If you really believe, you'll follow after him. You'll chase after him. One of my prayer men earlier saw a vision of a dove, and he was flying away about his head. The dove's head was looking back, and the, he said the dove's head was looking back as if to say, is there anybody that's going to follow me where I'm going? And so they had, the, the, the Lord just gave me all kinds of downloads from this from this. Wedding. It was a stressful time, but it was it was a it was a beautiful time, but it was stressful. The wedding planning was just I am traumatized over it, as you can see. But understand something that the these bridesmaids, I'm gonna can we bring it back to these bridesmaids? If you're still here, shout yes. yes. These bridesmaids all received an invitation. They all said yes. They all had the proper attire. They were all at the right place at the right time. And some of them still missed it. Why? Because they didn't have what it took to endure the long haul. And scripture says very clearly, only those who endure until the end will be saved. I'm not asking you tonight if you said yes to the Lord 10 years ago. I'm asking, is your yes still as vibrant as it was 10 years ago. Are you still as ready as you were 10 years ago? Because he's coming back. He's coming back. The, the reason half of the bridesmaids didn't even get into the wedding is because, listen, they all said yes. Every one of them said yes or they wouldn't have been in the wedding. Every one of them had a lamp. Every one of them's lamps were burning at one point. Oh God, I'll go ahead and preach that anyhow. Every one of them had a lamp of fire in it at one point. Now, we don't do that in America today, but when, he talks, when, the, when the Lord talks about oil lamps, they had these little clay lamps. I have one. And it's got, you put oil in it, and the fire shoots at the top. And that was for the bridesmaids to walk around at night when they couldn't see. Because what would happen in a Jewish wedding is the groom would propose to the bride, will you marry me? Yes. And then the groom left. Have you heard this before? The groom leaves. And here's the catch. You don't know when the groom's coming back. You just have to be faithful till he comes. That's how they do it in Israel, a traditional Jewish wedding. You just had to be ready at the moment that he came. And so the reason that these bridesmaids who all said yes, who all had the right attire, who are on the right place and they all had an oil lamp, why were they not ready? Because they didn't bring enough oil to make them last in case the Lord delayed. Why would the Lord delay? Because he's waiting on some of you to get saved. He's waiting on some of you to get in the tank. And the Bible says that he's patient and long-suffering, but he is not going to wait forever. Lord ain't going to wait on you all your life. If you wanted to go where the Lord was going in the Old Testament, you had to follow the glory cloud. And some of you are wondering why the Lord is not following you, and you think you're the glory cloud or something. Are y'all still here? It's awful quiet in this place. I don't know if they're bored or convicted. If, if you're bored, shout yes. That was, was just tricking you. If someone would have said yes, I'd have said, get him out. <laughs> I'd have to stop the show. Hey, get him out of here right now. Okay. <laughs> Jesus is 
coming back. And I'm going to be on that train when he comes back. I'm going to be ready at the moment he knocks on the door. I want to make sure there's oil in my lamp. I want to make sure I'm prepared to meet the bridegroom. Is there anybody in the room that's excited to meet the bridegroom tonight? Because he's coming. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be sitting here saying, where'd all the people go? Some of you in the room tonight are in great, great danger of missing it. And you will come running to this church on that day. And you'll be looking for Pastor Scotty. And you'll be looking for his wife. And you'll be looking for the the leaders of the house. And you'll be saying, where is everybody? You'll be freaking out. That day's coming. That's why all this is going on. Not so we can have a hype party and get all happy for a few days. It's a preparation for the coming of the Lord. You better be ready now. I mean, listen, there's no time to waste. You've got to get this right now. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. Well, Nick, how do you know tonight's my night? Because God said it was in his word. The time is now. Now, there are some of you who are arrogant in the room, and you have said, well, the Lord will give me another chance. So let me talk to you who have been in arrogance saying, the Lord will give me another chance. About this time last year, I was staying at my mom's and I woke up to one of the worst phone calls that I've ever received. I ran track in high school with a great friend. I'm not going to tell you, he didn't go to my school. We ran against each other. And it was a, it was a very competitive thing, but we, we had a great, strong friendship all through high school. He was a year older than me. I'm not going to tell you where he was, where he's from, all that, because I want to keep it as, as private as possible. I just want to relay the story. This man, this man was 25 years old. I'll be 25 in August, or October, and he was 25 years old. He would have turned 26 in August. And he, they, they, he was in Beckley. Now, before I get into what took place, I want to tell you, when I was a freshman, he was a sophomore, he was saved and I wasn't. And I remember seeing all these posts about Jesus and it inspired me because I always grew up in church, but I wasn't serving him. I'm like some of you in the room. I grew up in church, but I wasn't serving him. I was serving the church, but I wasn't serving the Lord. Oh, that hit some of you right in your feels. This man was posting about following the Lord and loving Jesus. And I was just, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. He inspired me. But as the years went on, I saw less and less and less of that and more and more and more of the stuff. By the time he got to college, he had put a post out there that said, I'm not, I don't, I don't do all that Jesus stuff anymore. It's a bunch of junk. And it made me sad because I was already, I'd already got saved. I got saved the next year. And we were serving the Lord together for a season. So, you know, it kind of broke my heart. I hadn't heard much from him in a long time. I woke up to a text about this time last year that said, Nick, um, your, your friend, he was on his way home from, from Beckley last night on the interstate at, at, uh, at Beaver, Shady Spring. And a vehicle hit him going 125 miles an hour, hit him from behind and flipped his car over. And, and they, they were telling me that he burned alive. And they said, we don't know if he was killed on impact or if, or if, he, if he sat and burned. In the, we, we don't know, but, but he, was, he was killed. Just tragically, one night, it was over. And I sat there, and the person that told me, I, I sat there for a second. This person's not saved either that called me. And I said, I, said, I, I, hope, I hope he sat in there for a while. Oh, Nick, that's a terrible thing. Well, how could you say something like that? I said, because I knew the state of his heart. And if he got killed instantly, he couldn't have repented. At least if he suffered, he would have maybe had a time to repent. He would have maybe had time to say, Lord, forgive me. And how many of you know he would have been in heaven if that, had taken, if that took place? And we don't know. I'm not the Lord. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to speculate on where he went. But I do know that at the moment of the car crash, he was not serving the Lord. And he was at one point. He was ready at one point, but he was not ready at the time that he met the Lord. Some of you will either meet the Lord by rapture or by death. Paul said it's appointed unto man once to die and then comes the judgment. You're either going to meet the Lord when he comes to rapture and you're going to miss it, or you're going to meet him at death and he's going to say, I don't know you. Either way, you've got to be ready right now. Guys, there's too much at stake. All your stuff that you're doing, and I'm, I'm really, I, the, the young people show up really on my heart right now. 
All the stuff you're doing in school right now and the things you're aspiring to be, all that's wonderful. But listen, there's no sense in chasing after a popularity contest when you got a king to you got a king to catch the eyes of. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do you do you think that the Lord is going to look at you and say, "Well done, you had a lot of friends"? Can I tell you from experience? I didn't. I kept two or three friends from high school. I don't. I mean. I didn't go to school with none of these people. None of them. Not a one of y'all. I didn't go to school with none of y'all. I'm like eight years older than you. I mean, I don't know why you're trying to get and I'm, this, this is preaching to some of y'all. I don't know why you're trying to get and obtain the attention of someone you're not even going to recognize in 10 years. And I hope they don't recognize you tomorrow because you got with the Lord tonight. Yeah. I hope I hope you walk out of this church glowing like Moses and they can't even look at you. They got to put a veil over your face. I, what, what's going on with this person? I'll never forget the moment I got saved and delivered. I walked up to the where we were sitting at Winterfest and they looked at me, one of the deacons of our church, and said, What happened to you? I didn't even look the same. So what happened to you? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't you like the Lord to come on some of you like that? I'm here to tell many of you in the room, I don't care if you're young, old, in between. Some of you are wasting a lot of time. All the shows you're binge watching on Netflix won't get you into the kingdom. You can make all the, all the basketball shots you want to make. You're not going to inherit the kingdom if you score a thousand points. They didn't want to hear that one. You're not going to inherit the kingdom if you rush for 2,000 yards in football. I know I played. played college football. The Lord, the Lord asked me for it. Here, give it. The Lord said, here, give that back to me. I got other things. And the Lord's saying right now, he's got other stuff for you all to do, but you're wasting too much time. And if he comes right now, you're going to miss it. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com. 